0: This is Austin Pace with BYU-Idaho Radio, and joining me today in the studio is Logan Weaver, a current BYU-Idaho student and president of the Interfaith Leadership Society. Weaver learned about the Interfaith Leadership Society two years ago in his religion class with Brother Gardner. He applied to be an officer and was granted the role of activity specialist. Since then, he has served as secretary, vice president, and is the current president of the society. Thanks for joining me, Logan. It's a pleasure to be here, Austin. All right, so tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're studying.
1: Yeah, so I am about to graduate in a couple semesters. I am currently studying what's called Interdisciplinary Studies. Uh, It's a kind of a customizable degree, and I'm focusing primarily on Marriage and Family Studies, but then I'm supplementing that with a minor in Music and a cluster in Statistics. Uh, I also have earned a minor in Peace and Conflict Transformation, which really helped spark my interest in going into interfaith leadership. Uh, some of my goals is to go to graduate school, go further into the marriage studies field, become college professor, and contribute more research to really help strengthen families
0: and marriages. Awesome. So you had a few different minors and clusters. Are those just hobbies, or like what are you wanting to do with those? Yeah, so one of the important things is when you
1: are applying for interdisciplinary studies degrees that you have to articulate how you're going to apply all three of those different areas that you pick. And so I have a lot of different combinations of how I want to incorporate them. Mm-hmm. One of my goals is to be able to incorporate music into part of my practices. I thought about also going into becoming a counselor and then in my therapy sessions I can try to use music or at least I can go into using research to be able to apply the music and help in helping those relationships. But actually something that really ties into the interfaith leadership stuff is that I want to organize interfaith choirs and music groups. I actually participated in a local interfaith choir a couple of years ago. They are just people from all across Eastern Idaho, different faiths. And so they claim themselves as an interfaith choir. And it was a great time. We sang Rob Gardner's Lamb of God. They're actually performing later in the semester for Center Stage. So, oh, awesome. Um, it was a really wonderful, uplifting experience. Um, and I just was so inspired by that mission that people of different faiths can come together and enjoy beautiful music. And I want to be able to take that passion of music— that's in my own life and be able to connect, use that as a tool to connect with other people, regardless of race, ethnicity, and even religion.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of music. I love music, and it's been something that I've, it's been a part of my life, my whole life. And one thing that I really found was that music is really just this um, universal language that connects everyone, no no matter the background. Mm-hmm. I, I served my mission out of the country, and there were there were some... It was in Mozambique, just completely opposite side of the of the world. And music was one thing when I couldn't speak the language was one thing that connected me to the people there because it is just some it's one of those universal languages. So that's mm. that's awesome that you want to implement those things. And I'm sure that that will 100 percent take you take you further in your in your career as you as you really involve music in that. So you served your mission in the Salt Lake City West Mission and the Cincinnati, Ohio Mission, where you had experiences that you said propelled you to seek out interfaith work. So could you tell me a little bit about some of those experiences and what about them sparked your interest in interfaith work?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking about that. Uh, most of his experiences take place back in Cincinnati, Ohio. The ones at least have really sparked my interest. So I first thing that explains that I grew up here in the Rexburg area. So I'm used to just being surrounded by Latter-day Saints being the majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have some um, some siblings who aren't members of the church, and so that kind of has given me a little introduction of knowing how to interact with some people outside the church. But still, you know, when you don't have interactions with a lot of other people outside of church and stuff, you kind of have sometimes circulated prejudices or misconceptions. Just as much as other people have misconceptions about Latter Day Saints, and I remember heading out to Ohio, and of course it's completely different because now Latter Day Saints are the minority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just having experiences where there were very positive um, encounters with people on who have different religious beliefs than my own. Some of them were very negative and kind of hostile, and others were very positive. There was one day my companion and I we went to this random apartment complex in our area, and we went and we just started knocking on doors. And we didn't really find anybody to teach there, unfortunately, but we did have this one opportunity. We were knocked on this one door, and this man opened, and we can kind of tell he looked like he came from somewhere out in the Middle East. And he told us that he was Muslim. And what was really cool is the way he approached it. He was just very respectful, very careful. Is like, now I don't want to be offensive. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you said this and this, but I believe in this and stuff. And then it was just a very mutually Beneficial conversation. We try to seek mutual understanding, and we were both enriched. We both felt very peaceful after that. We both got to understand each other on a much deeper level, which I thought was just a really cool experience. Um, some other experience I had was, and I'm going to be honest, like there were moments where there was misconceptions growing up, stuff so thinking about the Catholic Church, <laughs> and mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of Catholics, or at least I haven't had much experience with Catholics, and so they kind of lingered in my mind. So I kind of thought, oh, they're just. Were the one true religion or whatever like that, you know. But that didn't mean that I thought it was better than other people. And then there was one day that my companion and I, we were on our bicycles uh, where we lived and stuff. There was like this kind of two-way road and stuff that was kind of split off by this little barrier and stuff. And it went right underneath this overpass of a highway. And we were going down on our bicycles and we came up to this exit. And there was a cars parked and stuff. And because of where it's parked, you can only make a right turn. You couldn't make a left turn. We were going down. I remember just seeing just these two white lines. It just made me think back in my old days, like, oh, I have the right of way as a cyclist, right? And we went down. What happened is that I passed through this exit, and this car just jumps—starts coming right behind me. I was like, oh, my goodness. I almost got hit. But then I heard a thud sound, and I remembered that my companion was falling right behind me. Oh, no. My heart sank. I stopped. I turned around, and there it was, my companion just lying on the middle of the road— And then there's his car out. Apparently what happens is the car was so focused looking to the left, just waiting for the traffic stop, that he didn't take time to look to the right to see us coming down. Mm -hmm. And my fault was I didn't really see to make sure that he saw us. That was a lesson we learned from that day. But I remember that, you know, he got injured and stuff. We pulled him off to the side. I gave him priesthood blessing. And eventually some ambulances came down. And which is really— And the nice thing, the hospital was just up the hill from us. But either way, the ambulance came down. And strangely enough— they got my companion, they put him in there, but they wouldn't let me get in with him. It was really weird. And so, you know, as a missionary, you're always supposed to have your companions. Well, this is the mm-hmm. one time that I was, like, all by myself, and it felt really nerve-wracking. I was. It's been a long time since I felt that, and I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. And then there was this car that pulls up right alongside where I was, and this lady comes out, and this happened to be someone that my companion knew and stuff. She was Catholic, and... She came up to me, and she talked to talk to us, like, what's going on. I told her the situation, and she kindly let me put my bike inside her car, and she drove me up to the hospital and dropped me off, dropped off my bike. I could see my companion and so forth. And that was just a very—it was kind of a paradigm shift just to kind of see, wow, there's someone here of this other faith who's— showed such altruism at first I kind of thought that maybe there wasn't any good I know I really apologize (laughs) for having these beliefs now I totally have a different paradigm but because of that simple interaction I thought wow that really changed my thought and made me think about people of other faiths what are some prejudices I have against them what are some misconceptions I have about them and I recognize too that my interactions with people having misunderstandings about my faith but also and there's people in my own church who have misconceptions or ad- negative attitudes towards people of other faiths. And I'm like, this isn't really the right way to go about in our relationships. Not to mention that a lot of times there's people who just weren't interested in learning about the gospel or become members of church, but that doesn't mean that we should just ex- exclude them. We shouldn't have contact with them. Um, growing up, it kind of seemed like where I was from that you know, if, there was, if you found out there was someone who wasn't a member of the church, your main focus is like, okay, we're going to just try to invite you come to church activities come up a member of church but then if you're not really interested in stuff then a lot of times you kind of get left out of the social groups um maybe unintentionally but that just kind of happens and so i thought well we're gonna to have to live in societies where there's people who don't want to become members of church and we got to interact with each other we got to be friends with each other we got to learn to get along with each other despite our religious differences and so this kind of sparked this idea in my mind of like How can we, what can I do to have this kind of world and this kind of society, this kind of way that we can still have these kind of positive relationships, even if they don't accept the gospel, that we can still love them, spend time with them, build positive relationships with them. And at the time, I didn't know about the concept of interfaith, but now after going through the society and learning about interfaith, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I came to school, I felt impressed to take this certain religion class from a certain professor, I jump in and then... A few weeks later, he announces about this society, the Interfaith Leadership Academic Society, hosting this activity. And he explained the purpose behind it, how you know we're trying to build these positive relationships, become like President Nelson, who, if we look at the news, he's just one of those people who always is positively engaging with people of other races and of religions. And I was like, this is what I'm looking for. This is exactly what I've been looking for. So I jump in, I attend some of the meetings— Fell in love with it, and then I was like, okay, I want to be a bigger part of this. And so um, Brother Gardner is the faculty advisor over at the Interfaith Society. So mm-hmm. he got a chance to interview me. I got a chance to be part of it and host activities and stuff. So uh, very much my, my story for doing Interfaith <laughs> really roots back from those particular experiences. And there's many more, but those are kind of the main major rooted events that have propelled my purpose in interfaith work,
0: thank you for sharing those experiences. As as you were telling them, it it really got me thinking about not only my own perceptions of how people view our church, but how I view other people as well. And you're right; there are there are sometimes just those misconceptions that we have, and it's super important, like you said, to look past those and really look at people for who they are. Because there are, I met so many really good people that weren't members of our of our faith that I grew very fond of because they had this, they had that burning desire to be more like christ as well and really that's kind of what it boils down to um we shouldn't be critical of what they're doing we should be you know understanding like you like you with that with that muslim man Mm -hmm. you guys were finding an understanding and Mm -hmm. those conversations are fantastic i i I remember having a few of those while i was out on my mission and those conversations are always so edifying yes it's it's the conversations where the other's trying to prove one wrong where it gets A little dicey. Yes. And that's where just contentions rise. And that's not what we're about. That's not what Christ was about. So it's really just finding that little equilibrium of understanding, not necessarily accepting, but understanding that that's what they believe and them understanding that this is what we believe. And that's totally okay. And it's it's just being able to share that testimony with Mm -hmm. others that, you know, if they do want to accept it, they can. You give them that opportunity, but you're not pushing it. You shared a little bit about how you became involved with the Interfaith Leadership Society, but what is it? For people that haven't heard about it, I I took the I took a course with Brother Garden last semester, so oh, I know fantastic. I know a little yeah. bit about it as well. But for those who don't know what it is or are hearing it for the first time, could you explain a little bit about what the society is?
1: Yes. So, the purpose of the society is to help people develop knowledge, skills, and attitudes to be able to interact with people of other faiths, to be able to promote the common good. Um, So we're more than just a religious education kind of class. We're more than just a world religions class. We try to provide opportunities for students to be able to practice skills, to be able to connect with people of other faiths, and be able to be leaders in their home, in their communities, and in their workplaces.
0: Perfect. So... How are you able to share your testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ and represent the church while respecting the opinions and views of other faiths?
1: That is a very excellent question. It comes down to, one, you got to see each other as equals, right? You got to be on the grounds of we are going to respect each other. We're going to find common ground. Christian Stendhal, um, someone who has come up with these kind of three principles of interfaith engagement, one of them is that, we try not to compare our best with their worst. And so I think a lot of times when we bear our testimony, what we can do is we can interact with people and we hear about what they believe and we can ask them questions. We can be curious. Where we show value in them as a person. And then if they share something that we agree with, it's important that we articulate that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I believe that in that too. Too much of today's world is so focused on what makes us different when really. I find the most joy when we actually find what we have in common. That's what really builds community is the commonality. And so there are moments that, yeah, if you have something in common, I say you can bear testimony, but I share your spiritual experiences. It's interesting to point out that when it comes to interfaith work or interfaith dialogue, we have to set this certain framework, a kind of safe space. When we say this is, we know that we're engaging interfaith dialogue, we keep it within these parameters compared to, say, when we're proselyting or doing missionary work. When it comes to interfaith dialogue, one of the main purposes is that we're not trying to convert the other. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the big things. And so we're supposed to provide a safe space. We're not here to criticize. I mean, there's times we can maybe disagree with things, but we're not going to bash. And so but that's the main part is we're not trying to convert people. So a lot of times it's like you can bear your testimony about things you have in common. Maybe you can add something else to it. Um, but I think the first principle is this make sure you understand where they're coming from. Make sure you understand where they are. Make sure you show that I value you as a person. I see you as a person, not as some person I just need or some object I need to convert, right? Or a number or statistic or anything to serve some personal mission of saying I've met my missionary quota. (laughs) Right. And if we go in the mindset of we're focused on the individual and what they need and trying to build a relationship with them without the expectation of whether they're going to, you know, believe what we say or expect or accept the invitations we extend, then I believe we're going to have a lot more positive interactions. Because in the end, um, it's the spirit that's going to confirm truth. Like, truth is truth. And a lot of people have maybe different perceptions of the truth, but nevertheless, it's still truth. And it's important that we show that this is what we believe in this stuff. This is what we can agree on. Now, of course, when there's times when there's things that maybe are different— you know, maybe have disagreements in terms of when it comes to the nature of the Godhead, for example, or of the Trinity and so forth. You try to you try to do two things: one, you make sure you listen to the other person and articulate the position, and then you have to restate back to them their position to a point that they're satisfied with it. Yes, I that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I believe in, and that's key because it shows a sense of understanding. And then when's that point? Then they're like, "Oh, I'm feeling heard. I'm feeling understood." then they're going to be most likely um, willing to listen to you when you state your belief, as long as you're not trying to say mine is better than yours, Right. (laughs) right? But that's, I feel like, is one of the best ways to kind of engage in those conversations. And, of course, if they choose to not want to cooperate or have meaningful dialogue, then I think it's appropriate that we just kind of say, okay, we're just not in a very safe spot. This isn't appropriate. Social kindness, social love. Um, Still, don't be afraid to share a testimony, but don't do it with a sense of superiority, and then you can say just walk away and let the Holy Ghost do its work.
0: (laughs) So what do you plan to do with the experiences that you've gained in participating in the society?
1: Let me give you actually a demonstration of something that I have done that I want to continue to do. So like I mentioned earlier, I have some siblings who aren't members of the church. They are Christian, very good people, honestly. But it's just, you know, being a different denomination. it can be kind of scary to know, how do I talk to this person, right? right. Like, what can we talk about that we don't—because, you know, we don't want to get any contentions. And they have some—they're um, kind of mean and stuff, but still they have some disagreements about um, the Church of Jesus Christ of the Day Saints. And a couple of months ago, I visited one of my siblings who was in a member of the church. Uh, I think she's like non denominational. And we talked and stuff. And they actually invited me to come visit their church. Um, I think theirs was called Stone Hill, is what it was called. It was kind of like a mega church. And I was like, you know, I'm curious. I want to understand what you guys believe, I want to understand, you know, your religious tradition. Because religion is something, and faith is something that's really important to a lot of people. Whether you have it or not, you have a belief about something. You have something that drives you. There's something that grounds you to, gives you purpose and identity. And I want to understand that through the means of this religion. And so I, I decided to go with them that one time, get to see how the worship service is. And there's a lot of things I thought that were pretty cool about it. Like one, the passage just getting able to get something so um, eloquently and very meaningful. Which I know a lot of times a lot of say means are sometimes it can get a little bit boring and stuff if people don't know how to really convey the information and stuff. So I was like, okay, that's cool. I, I appreciate the fact you got that your pastor is able to make sure the whole meeting stays pretty interesting, mm-hmm. right? And there's still things I disagree with and stuff. Like, I don't agree with like the rock music, but that's okay. I came there to kind of understand where they're coming from and to find the good. And what's was really cool is then afterwards, I was able to have a really good positive conversation with them. I talked to them about like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I noticed you guys... Doing this, you know, standing up when this song was playing, you guys are waving your hands in the air or something like that. What's that supposed to mean and so forth? And it was a really cool opportunity for them to kind of provide their viewpoint about the faith, which that's another important thing to consider in interfaith work, is that not everyone is gonna be the authoritative voice on what is the belief of the entire faith. Right. (laughs) But what we try to do when we engage with them, we ask them you questions, like what what do you view about the family? What do you view about this? What do you view about that? You can ask some questions like maybe what you hear in church or in your synagogues or whatever kind of religious places you meet. Um, but a lot of times we focus more on their individual experience with the faith. Then we tend to have much more meaningful conversations than expecting them to be the voice for the whole church right. <laughs> or representative of the faith. So, But yeah, I love that conversation. I want to kind of continue that um, so forth to be able to continue to visit other places of worship, get to meet the people there, continue to study them, continue to ask them questions in curious ways, not in ways that I'm going to try to disprove you or show that you're wrong, mm-hmm. right, for argumentative purposes. And actually, it's something I want to do is I want to be able to stand up for other people because of their faiths. I think that is, for me, the highest form of interfaith leadership is— when you get to the point that you actually are trying to stand up for someone else's faith, it doesn't mean you agree with them, but you mean, but it does mean that if you see someone, you know, being caricatured or stereotyped or being threatened or denied their privileges because of their faith, you know, if some girl was being, you know, a Muslim woman was being mocked for her job and stuff, then I could at least stay, stand up and say, hey, that's not cool. Don't do that. Respect that. Or to be able to then make sure I take into consideration whenever it comes to teamwork, whenever it comes to playing out events, that their voices are being heard. That they have no, they know that they're safe in the space and that we respect their faiths. Even though we're different, I respect what you believe in. And I also want to be able, when I have a family, to have my children also have interactions with people of other faiths as well. You know, have them come over. They can share. Maybe have family discussions where we talk about some of these other faiths, and maybe then do compare and contrast with our own faiths, right? I believe interfaith work is one of the most important works going on today. I mean, if you actually check out church news, it is amazing that every week you will find some article about some interfaith cooperation going on in the world, whether it's with an apostle, with another religious leader, or some uh, Latter-day Saint community interacting with another religious community in the neighborhood, putting on like music or doing food drives, etc., and so I want to be able to be, continue to be a part of that. I want to be involved in the community efforts. I want to continue to expand my knowledge and my understanding, but also to be able to then be in a position where I can defend those beliefs because everyone has the right to practice their faith.
0: And I think a lot of people forget that. You know, we, at least for me, I guess Latter-day, Latter-day Saints, we have our testimony that we know that this is this church is true. Like, I, I, I saw my testimony go from, and I believe— Standpoint on my mission to me coming home and saying I know, and I know I'm not the only one that has that super firm belief that this is the true church. But I also understand that there are so many really good people that may not have accepted the gospel yet, or won't will, or won't in this life, but they're still really good people and they're mm-hmm. still believers in Christ and they're still really wanting to become better. So it's I, I love what you're saying that how we should really be an advocate. For those who might be exper- experiencing religious prejudice, who might be experiencing, you know, hard times because of what they believe, we should be that, that beacon of, of light and hope for them. It shouldn't be a me against you situation, just mm-hmm. like you were saying. It should be, we're in this together. We believe in the same God and the same Christ, right? In a lot of cases, we believe in those same things. So let's, let's use that commonality, like you were saying, and let's just become better people.
1: Right. Now, of course, there are a lot of faiths out there that they don't believe in Christ. Right. But there are still a lot that they believe in principles that the Savior did teach. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a famous painting by Norman Rockwell that's titled The Golden Rule. And it shows all these different ethnic groups, races, religions, portrayed, and stemmed it on this. Do unto others what you like done unto yourself. And as I study on the religions, I realize that is something that is very common in a lot of those faiths, is that principle is that golden rule. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes really down to it, honestly. Jesus Christ says that, you know, whatsoever that you would like men to do unto you, do unto them. This hangs all the laws and the prophets, you know. Love God, love your neighbor as thyself. This hangs all the law. Like everything that we are commanded to do is really in the end to fulfill those great commandments, which is to love God and to love our neighbor.
0: Thank you so much for sharing those experiences. So you have some events coming up for the semester. The next event is on January 24th, and it's an opening social and scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm. There's also one more event happening on February 8th with an interfaith educator and leader, uh, James Holt from the UK. So could you tell me a little bit more about these events and who's invited to participate?
1: Yeah, this is open to everybody. Uh, we are not excluded. It's just just one department, right? I mean, of course, it's under the Department of Religion, but that serves pretty much everybody. Right, <laughs> Everyone can benefit from this. And so, yeah, with the opening social, this is a great time to be able to just get to connect with other people who are also interested in learning about interfaith work, people who have been in this society for a long time, who have been very passionate about it, make great contributions to those who are just brand new, right? We hope this be a place for belonging for everybody, not just only for latter Saints, but also people who have other religious beliefs. We have a few that I know of that live here on campus. And this is a time to kind of set expectations of what this society is all about. Uh, we've got some other fun things we're going to actually be doing throughout the semester that involve prizes. And the scavenger hunt, just a nice fun activity, get to build, connect, work, um, learn about some interfaith leaders as well. And then for the February 8th activity, so that one, typically we have our activities on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. We do it like every second and fourth Wednesday. But due to the fact that the next time we meet in February is Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to interrupt those lovebirds and couples. Um, and also recognizing that there was a form the next day, we decided to move it to February 8th from 11 to 1230 because, of course, James Holt, he's from the United Kingdom, different time zone, Right. But he's one who's got amazing experience in teaching about different faiths and also engaging with people of other faiths. And so this is a great opportunity to kind of talk to a modern-day interfaith leader and ask them about their experiences, what they have to offer. I think it's going to be, honestly,
0: a great treat. Awesome. Yeah, sounds like something super cool.
1: Yeah, and there's food also going to be provided at the opening social. Uh, we typically, we always try to have food <laughs> offered at every activity. That That's the guarantee because we believe in providing an opportunity for everyone to actually build engagement with each other.
0: That was Logan Weaver, current BYU-Idaho student and president of the Interfaith Leadership Society. Logan, thanks again for joining me, man. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Austin.